We'll be in Ephesians chapter 6 tonight. We are winding down this epistle. We're going to read verses 19 through 24. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, the Bible says, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs, and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus in sincerity. Amen. So as a reminder, as Paul closes out the armor of God there in verse 18, he talks about praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And in verses 19 and 20, he gives his own prayer request to be able to effectively and confidently communicate the gospel as an ambassador for Christ. He says in verse 20, that he's an ambassador in bonds. Paul is under house arrest in Rome. He is in prison to an extent. And he's writing this letter as he is under house arrest. He cannot go to Ephesus and speak with them, obviously. But we see in verse 21 that he has a faithful minister who can go for him, and that man is named Tychicus. If I say Tychicus, forgive me. It's hard for me to see T-Y and not pronounce it with Ty, but it's T. Wow, that came out powerful. Some say it's Tychicus, Tychicus. I'll do the best I can, amen. And this makes sense that Paul would want to send Tychicus. He just gave them his prayer request, and it's certainly appropriate then that these Ephesians learn of Paul's doing and his welfare, which is what he says in verse 21. He says, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. This is why we get missionary letters, amen? We like to hear how they are doing. We want to know what's going on. In doing so, these Ephesians would be informed on how best to keep praying for Paul. And I think in this we can see Paul's humanity. Maybe we would say his humility. He was no different than any other man. Amen? He was no different, and I have to say that because I think sometimes we view these guys as as these superheroes. And Paul, he sees himself no different than any other. He doesn't see himself as one that deserves to be elevated. He certainly doesn't see himself above uh, Tychicus or any of the others that he travels with. And Paul is just kind of down to earth, maybe we can put it that way. And we need to be careful not to be guilty of thinking of these men as out of our league. That somehow they possess something that we don't possess. And somehow they they were able to be more usable and more effective. We can all be as used as the Apostle Paul. God may not call us to do that, but we all have that ability to be used. And Paul here is acknowledging his need for prayer and his desire for them to know how he's doing in the ministry. 
And we find in Paul's epistles that he has not built himself up as some unreachable person. I was surprised someone had come to church here recently and they said, this is the first time a pastor has ever called me. And that just surprised me. And they said, uh, everywhere we've been, the pastor never reaches out to folks. And I just thought that was strange. And Paul doesn't build himself up as this unreachable person. I've met those in the ministry, and you likely have too. They think they're God's gift of preachers. Amen? They'll only run in their little circle of friends. And you're not welcome in that little circle of buddies because you didn't go to the same schools. And I've noticed this more lately with certain seminaries. And unless you've graduated from their institution, you're never welcomed into their little group of guys. And they just aren't going to waste their time with you. I'm telling you the truth. And this wall becomes erected between those who have attended this seminary and those who could never attain to their greatness. But we don't find this kind of thing with the Apostle Paul. First of all, Paul is literally a prisoner. It's hard to get too puffed up when you're locked up. Write that down. He's not being carried around in a chair. Some religions do. He's not wearing this religious garb to make him stand out. Nobody's kissing his feet. Nobody's kissing his ring. And Paul's not doing any of that. He's he's just a normal guy who happens to be greatly used of God. He's not so prideful that he's trying to hide things. Paul, remember, he was saved out of that kind of environment where men were worshipped. He was saved out of the Pharisees. He said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He was a rising star among the Pharisees as a young man. He had learned at the feet of Gamaliel. He had gone to the right institutions. He had checked all the right boxes. And yet he didn't treat himself like he was somebody. And we've studied in a past lesson already that because Paul was saved out of that, it would have been easy for him to revert back to that mindset. And yet the Bible says that God gave Paul a thorn in the flesh lest he should be exalted above measure. And so to keep him humbled, God had given him a thorn. And now in Christ, Paul doesn't view himself above any other person. And I think we get a sense of this in our text because Paul's concerned that the Ephesians know how he's doing. And this isn't this prideful secretness. That's where I was kind of going with that. He's not trying to hide something from his past. Or from his present. He's not one of these guys who has put up this facade that he's a super Christian who has it all together and therefore never has any prayer needs or could be doing any other way but well. That everything's going well in his life and he doesn't need prayer. He's not that kind of guy. He's honest with who he is in Christ and about his needs. And he doesn't have to be viewed as invincible. And I'm just telling you from experience, this is how some Christians get. And they begin to block people out of their little tiny circle. They say, you're not welcomed in. 
because they've got something in their past they're hanging on to that they don't want anybody else to find out about because it might tear down their little greatness that they think they've built up about themselves. And so Paul doesn't view himself as being way up here and everybody else is way down there. Instead, he's asking for prayer because he's not immune to ups and downs. Amen? He's going to have times where, hey, I really need your prayer. Everyone has deserted me. There's going to be times when he's, he said, there's going to be times when things are going well and he is firing on all cylinders and it just seems like you can charge hell and yet there's going to be times when he's down. And he wants them to know how he's doing. And so this isn't a prideful update that he wants to give, but it's genuine because he had just requested their help in prayers. And because he knows they are concerned, he's concerned that they know how God is answering their prayers. Therefore, to update them on his status, he's going to send Tychicus. And by sending Tychicus while under house arrest, we see both of these men have the marks of being a true servant. That's kind of what I want to talk about in these verses. Let's first discuss Paul. The more Paul was used by God in the Lord's service, the more humbled he has become. It wasn't that the more he was used, the more he became prideful. But that's the tendency of human nature. But the more he was used, the more he was humbled. And we see here that Paul is willing to give place to others. Paul invested in others personally. He spent time with them. And we see this as he writes to Timothy and to Titus and to Philemon. Others as well. And here we see he invests in Tychicus. It wasn't all about Paul. You see, with Paul, he didn't have to have the preeminence. He didn't have to have all the attention on him. In 2 Timothy 2.2, he wrote, "...in the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also." He just wanted the gospel to go forward. No matter who was getting the limelight. He just wants God's work to be done. He wanted solid churches established throughout his journeys, and he wanted men who could go in there and solidify those things. And it didn't matter who played the role. He didn't have the spotlight on him, but he helped others along and gave them opportunity for service. And I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful for those God has used in my life. I'm very grateful for my parents who invested in me. And I will always hold dear those times that my dad and I would drive back after he preached and we would ride in the car together and we would talk Bible. and We would apply it to life lessons. Those are precious times. I'm thankful for my pastors over the years who without thought of reward invested themselves when many would have viewed me as a waste of time. I'm thankful for a man named Don Cagle. And I wish I could find him. He was from Hollydale Baptist Church in Marietta, Georgia. At the time, our family attended Hill Street Baptist Church in Powder Springs. And Hollydale was going on a youth trip. And I was allowed to go free of charge. They had somebody drop out. Their church called our church. And I said, yeah. Or my dad asked me if I wanted to go. And I said, yes. And we went down to Jekyll Island, Georgia. And it was there that I received Christ as my Savior. I'm thankful for Pastor Stewart. Pastor Kelly, Pastor Decker, 
Pastor Kuhn, Pastor Holder, they all invested in me and had a big impact in my walk with God. I'm thankful for Tom Furs, who's been a mentor to me and has helped me during this time of learning to become a pastor. And I'm thankful that he has invested in my life. I'm thankful for Larry, who's been so patient with me. I have no idea what I'm doing. Y'all know that, right? Congratulations, you're a pastor and school administrator. What? And he's been so patient. And I thank God for Brother Brock. I'm thankful for our deacons who have taught me along the way. And of course, I'm blessed to have sat under Pastor Williams' teaching the first time I was here, who took the time to train young preachers on Saturday mornings and give them opportunity for service. And I could testify how many of you who have been here a long time invested in me and our family when we were here before. And these people didn't immediately write me off when I came back as being the same man I was. Because there were some who told me they weren't being ugly, but they said, when you were here the first time, there's no way we'd want you as our pastor. Listen, I was 23 years old. And yet they kept investing in me. Do you hear what I'm saying? They kept investing in me. My point is, we need to learn to invest in others regardless of how we may view them in the moment. Nobody viewed me as the pastor the first time I was here. I didn't view me as the pastor the first time I was here, even though I knew God was putting it in my heart. I am sure Don Cagle never imagined when he took a 12-year-old boy down to Jekyll Island, Georgia, that that boy would be saved and become a preacher and a pastor one day. But he invested. You never know. I know when I first showed up in 2001, 23 years of age, nobody jumped up and said, hey, that's going to be our next pastor. Right? I mean, there's no way that happened. I'm sure you felt it was just another young military couple passing through. They're going to do their time. They're going to move on. I just want to say that's the great thing about ministering to our military. They come in here. We get to faithfully minister to them. But we never know how God's going to use them down the road. They're going to keep growing as they go to these different churches and they're going to pick up goods and bads along the way and they're going to begin to shape opinion and and they're going to move on in their career and they're going to get rank and they're going to have leadership and they're going to lead people. And we just need to stay faithful in serving those who come through in their military careers. Just think of the military families who have come through here through the years. A lot, a lot. And a lot of them are still serving God faithfully. In just recent times, who would have thought the Petrakos would be here to take over the directorship of our press ministry? Isn't that amazing how God just works? And in my short time here, who would have thought that God would bring the Longs back? Now they're leading our youth and He's leading our music. We had the Dawson family come through in the military. And now he's down in South Carolina, slowly taking over as pastor there. And then as soon as they left, God brought the DeGarmos here right on time. And now they're both teaching Sunday school classes, and he's a deacon. Of course, he's filling in with Ken tonight while Ken's deployed. 
And we see this happen with civilians as well. I don't want anybody to get offended and think that I'm only excited about military members. That's not the case, but that's what I want to talk about right now. That's how God worked in my life. But I want to highlight our military folks. I don't want you ever to think that they're only going to be here for two to four years and there's no sense getting to know them. There's no sense getting, spending time investing in them because they're just going to move on. I don't want our church to ever have that attitude. We need to faithfully minister to them as we would the rest of the folks. Adrian and I, in our career, we've been in churches where the military folks, it, it, the church had this mindset that they just kind of had this leprosy. And you don't want to get too close, and you don't want to invest too much time because they're just going to move on in two or four years. And that doesn't make you feel very welcome. And we don't need to be that kind of church. We need to follow the example of Paul, who followed the example of Christ. And we need to invest in others as opportunity presents itself no matter if they're here for a lifetime or just a few years. And so what this means here is Paul, he doesn't care if others are elevated in the service of the Lord. He's going to invest in them. He's going to spend time with men like Tychicus, and he's going to help them along. He had some desert him. He had some that stuck with him. And that's ministry. Some are going to desert you after you poured your life into them, and others are going to stick around. But listen, we don't need to be concerned about all the results. We just need to do what God's called us to do. And so Paul here, he doesn't care. He's going to invest in others. He doesn't care if they rise. And, and he doesn't mind taking a step back if it means that others are growing in the Lord and in the ministry. He doesn't mind that he's not at the forefront. And yes, he's going to do what God has called him to do, but he's not going to be after a name. And in our text, we see the follow-through of how Paul must have invested in Tychicus because he's given a great responsibility by Paul in verses 21 and 22. I did not have time to finish this the way I wanted to because I quickly learned what a great character study it is to do on Tychicus. This is an amazing man. And we're going to dig in just a little bit about who he was. If you desire to be a valuable church member, if you desire to be used of God, then you need to study what the Bible says about Tychicus. If you want to be a help to your pastor, you need to study what the Bible says about this man. Tychicus first shows up in our Bible on Paul's third missionary journey in Acts chapter 20. After the uproar there in Ephesus, Paul, he's on the move again. And in Acts 20 and verse 4, it says, And there accompanied him into Asia, which is modern-day Turkey. And there accompanied him into Asia, Sopater of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Arist Aristarchus, and Secundus, and Gaius of Derbe, and Timotheus. And of Asia, Tychicus and Trophimus. Now, we don't know when Tychicus was saved. We don't know much about his background. There's a lot of theories out there, none of which are, can be proven. We are not told when Paul and Tychicus first met. He may have very well already known him when they hooked up there in Acts chapter 20. But what's interesting is we know that they were long 
long-term friends. Because Tychicus shows up in Paul's missionary journey there, and Tychicus is mentioned at the end of Paul's life. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, verses, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, Paul writes, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have kept the faith, I have finished my course. I got that backwards, but you'll figure it out. And here's Paul. He says, I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. My time on this earth is not long. And then Paul says in verses 10 through 12, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. And so there is Paul, he's ready to be offered up. He's at the end of his life and Tychicus was over there in Acts chapter 20 and he traveled with him and we see that he's still with him all the years later as Paul is nearing the end of his life. And so Tychicus was with Paul from, the, from at least the time of his third missionary journey up until Paul was martyred. This would have been around at least 10 years. And though we can't know for sure, I wouldn't be surprised if they knew each other before Acts chapter 20. I think we can make the argument that Paul and Tychicus were closer than Paul and some of his other companions. We can make a strong case for Paul and Luke. Luke was along with a lot of the travels as he penned the book of Acts. And Luke was there with Paul as he's about to die. And Paul, in one of his writings, he talks about Luke having been inspired and and so they, they knew there was this special relationship between the two of, two of them, Luke and Paul. And there were some big duos as well. There was Paul and Silas, and Paul and Barnabas. But how many of you think of Paul and Tychicus? And you should. Because I think we're going to see here in just a little bit, they may have been closer together than Paul and Silas and Paul and Barnabas. This is, I'm just saying he was an important friend to Paul. Very important in the ministry. And now how can I make that assertion? Well, we see in our text in verse 21 that Paul considered Tychicus a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. In Colossians 4.7, Paul says almost the identical thing of Tychicus, where it says there in Colossians 4.7 and 8, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister, minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. And so Paul, he loved Tychicus as a brother in Christ. They were bonded together by Christ. And I love how two different people can be brought together in the Lord that really have nothing else in common. Different backgrounds, different people, different personalities. And yet they can become close friends and they can serve the Lord side by side when they really don't have much in common outside of Christ. But Christ is all we need, amen? Amen. And while we don't put our trust in mankind, it would be a good thing if you had some beloved brothers or sisters in the Lord. Where our common bond is in Christ. And what we have in common is what we're doing for the Lord. I've always felt that a believer's closest friends, listen to me please, a believer's closest friends 
should be those within their home church. I believe that. I'm not saying not to have friends outside. I'm not saying not to try to reach the lost. But I'm talking about those you can pick up the phone and say, I need prayer. They should be here at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. Those should be your closest ones. Number one, it's good to have that accountability. And then also it's great to have that encouragement and edifying as we serve the Lord together. Paul not only viewed Tychicus as a beloved brother, but we also see Paul counted Tychicus as a faithful minister in the Lord. He was faithful, or meaning this, he was trustworthy. He was a true minister. A minister is a servant. It's the same Greek word where we get our word deacon. A deacon is to be a servant. A minister is one who doesn't mind taking orders and being directed in a task. A minister is one who is happy to serve any way they can, no matter the tasking. And they'll say, like the psalmist in Psalm 84, in verse 10, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And I thank God for every one of you that take on tasks around here because one man can't do it all. Are you willing to serve by being a doorkeeper? may not be glamorous, but it's a place to serve. And especially so in these days when people don't want to touch doors. Amen. Be nice to have a young man out there opening the door who's less susceptible to getting sick. Amen. I'm just saying we need to find these places to serve. Are you willing to grab a broom? Are you willing to grab a snow shovel? Are you willing to clean bathrooms? Are you willing to clean the kitchen? Are you willing to take out the trash? Better yet, are you willing to take out the nursery trash? Are you a faithful minister in the Lord? And as I quoted over there in Colossians, Paul considered Tychicus a fellow servant in the Lord. Because their love for each other was rooted in Christ and because they were both servants for the Lord, they were fellow servants, which means they were bond slaves of the same master. And we're to be fellow servants here. We can't all do the same things. But we can, excuse me, but we can all serve towards the same end. And that is the glory of God and the furtherance of His gospel. And we ought to be pleased to serve in whatever capacity we can. Not everyone can be the pastor. Not all can preach. I love listening to this one guy preach and he said, this guy got mad at me and said, you never asked me to preach. And he said, bless God, it's because you can't. Not all are gifted to preach is all I'm saying. At least in the capacity up here I'm saying. Not all can be the pastor. Not all can preach. Not all can sing. Amen. Not all need to be up here singing. Not all can be the principal of our school. Not all can lead the youth. Not all can teach a class. We can all stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the gospel. Now, how was Tychicus used by Paul in the ministry of the Lord? Well, there were several ways. Most of you probably have a footnote at the end of this, this epistle, after verse 24, which says something to this effect, written from Rome unto the Ephesians by Tychicus. Does everybody kind of have that? I don't know if it's in every Bible or not. It's not inspired. So if it's not in there, it's not a big deal. 
But we have every reason to believe in this case that what's pinned to the end of this epistle is accurate. As Paul aged, it seems his eyesight had become dimmed. And as a result, it became difficult for him to pen his own letters. And when he did, he had to write large letters. And it was probably very time-consuming as a result, and it was a waste of resources to boot. And so Paul would, would waste a lot of time with this, and so he would speak under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and these faithful men like Tychicus would pen what Paul would speak. The Bible says in Galatians 6.11, he wrote that epistle, Paul did, and it says, you see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand. So it had gotten very difficult for him to do this. And so Tychicus was a penman for Paul. And in our day of eyeglasses and bifocals and God help you, trifocals and eye surgeries, we may take for granted just how valuable someone like Tychicus would have been to the Apostle Paul. It was a huge help to be able to communicate to these churches what God had laid upon his heart, that this apostle to the Gentiles would be able to get this message out more effectively, more quickly, as he had somebody to help him. And again, this gets into being willing to do work which works which mean being less known. We all think of Paul's role in providing these epistles, but how often do we sing the praises of the men that wrote them down? In fact, we call them the Pauline epistles. But in several cases, there was a faithful minister there who was over a candlelight pinning down the Word of God. We don't want to forget these men. So he was not only there to write as Paul spoke, but Tychicus was also a delivery man for Paul. He was not only trusted to pin down Paul's words accurately. And if you'll just think about that for a minute, I can't get off that thought right now. To actually write the Word of God. You say, well, did he know he was right? I don't know if he did or not. But we wouldn't have it today unless he was faithful to pin it down as it was heard. I mean, how valuable are these people that serve alongside these men? And so, he was a delivery man as well. He not only wrote down accurately, but he was trusted to deliver some of these letters for Paul while he was in prison. Because Tychicus is sent by Paul to them, which he says here, I'm going to send you Tychicus that you may know of my affairs. It makes sense that Paul also sent Tychicus with these letters to deliver them when he went to update them on Paul's status. The same can be said about the letter to the Colossians. We kind of read the same thing over there. I already read it. And because of the footnote added to the end of Colossians, which says this, written from Rome to Colossians by Tychicus and, or by Tychicus and Onesimus. Because of that little footnote, it's believed that Tychicus delivered the letter to Philemon and therefore accompanied Onesimus, and would have, because that would have been a very awkward situation if your runaway slave shows up, says, here, I got a letter from Paul and you're supposed to help me now. But Tychicus being faithful, probably, we don't know for sure, but he probably accompanied Onesimus, delivered that letter to Philemon. Can you imagine what a help that would have been for Onesimus if that's true? Can you imagine how that would have comforted him to know that he's returning from the man that he ran away from and he's got Tychicus, who was a close friend of the Apostle Paul, there with him? What a comfort that would have been. 
Tychicus must have been very special to Paul and the work of the Lord. But we also see in verse 21 that Tychicus was to make all things known to the Ephesians. Some see this as meaning that when he would deliver the letter, they would read the epistle to the church, and then if they had any questions, he would answer them. I don't know if that's what it means or not. I'm not 100% sure, but it could be. And it could be that he was expounding the doctrine as they might have questions of what was pinned down. For sure, it means that he was going to update them on Paul's uh, well-being and how the gospel was going forward and how Paul was being used by God. And while Paul was bound, the Word of God was not bound. (laughs) Paul may have been bound, but he still had liberty to preach to those who came to him. And it would have been a comfort for these in Ephesus to know of how God was using Paul while he was in prison, while he was under persecution, while he was under tribulations, and the Ephesians could take from that and say, you know what? We can keep going too. We can keep going forward. Because Paul's able to go forward, we can keep going forward. What a blessing. One last nugget about Tychicus, who was greatly used by God, simply by being available And being a servant, he was used by Paul to help relieve other churches so others could go visit Paul when Paul couldn't go visit them. Now, that's a big deal back then. (laughs) In Titus 1.5, it says that Paul left Titus in Crete and appointed him to set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city. And then later on, in Paul's letter to Titus, he writes in chapter 3 and verse 12, When I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. And so we see Paul used Tychicus. He would go to others. He would provide the leadership needed in that location while someone like Titus could depart Crete and go and visit Paul and hear what Paul wanted to say to him. And so Tychicus was used to be a pulpit Uh, supply, we might say that. He was certainly used to provide leadership wherever he went. Titus could now leave Crete knowing that the work would be in good hands. And I got to tell you, that is such a blessing when Adrian and I leave town and I know men are going to stand up and preach and I know that things are going to be handled properly. What a blessing. And so Tychicus was this kind of guy. In writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy, I referenced this earlier, but Paul wrote to Timothy that he had sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Some believe Timothy was the pastor in Ephesus, but I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. But they believe that maybe Tychicus was being sent to Ephesus to relieve Timothy uh, from the pastor for a little bit so Timothy could go visit Paul before he passed. But again, I can't find that in the Bible. For sure, according to 1 Timothy 1.3, Timothy was charged to lead Ephesus, at least for a season, to finish what Paul wanted done while Paul traveled into Macedonia. I don't think we can say dogmatically that Timothy was the pastor in Ephesus. Not to mention, to me, it would be odd that he's writing to Timothy, who was supposedly in Ephesus according to that viewpoint, and yet he tells Timothy, I've sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Well, duh, he's bringing you the letter. It just doesn't make sense. And so I don't, I don't think that's the case necessarily, but we don't have to divide over that. Uh, just a little side note, because I know a lot of people feel that way. But whatever the case, for sure, he was in charge for a season there, in Ephesus, Timothy was. But Tychicus, why was he sent by Paul? Paul being in prison, he had already lost these. Demas hath forsaken me. And he talks about these who have left. And yet Tychicus, he says, I have sent him to Ephesus. What was he sending him to Ephesus for? We don't really know. 
but it must have been something important. And he trusted Tychicus to be that person that could handle that task. And so regardless of, of all that other stuff I just went through, it highlights how Tychicus was highly valued by Paul. And I know I've got to wrap this up. I'm sorry, I'm going just a little bit later. But our churches need some people like Tychicus. True servants who will do whatever it takes to further the gospel. This man, he was a pin man. He was a delivery man. He was a messenger. He comforted believers. He provided leadership supply. He may have even answered doctrinal questions when the letters were delivered and read. He was there to be a help to Paul and work uh, and, and the work of the Lord in any way he could. And Tychicus was beloved by Paul and no doubt others. He was a faithful minister. He was a fellow servant. He was trustworthy. He was a man of integrity. And these are the kinds of servants we need in our churches. We need those who will do what needs to be done without expectation of reward or even recognition. We need those who are not here looking for a position, but are just looking to serve. We need those who will ask, what can I do to be a help to this church body? How can I serve? Regardless of whether or not it comes with a title, whether or not it's a position you're looking for, we just need people that are willing to serve. Amen. All right, that's Tychicus. Let's pray.